0: And I had to get back to the hotel because I was meeting uh, a work friend. Her name is Michelle. And she came up with our our night out. She had arranged to meet at a drive-in movie theater where she parked her car to the right of mine. I sat in the pat Well, we got out. She brought all this food like a picnic and in the darkness and with the, you know, the light of the, there was like three different movies taking place uh, within this drive-in area. We got there early as planned and hung out, caught up, ate. When the movie started, we got in our respected cars, being the passenger seat of mine, her and the drivers of hers. Every once in a while, we might say something about a movie, but basically sat there and it was an animated movie, which I did not realize uh, when I had committed to this. Not that I wouldn't have, but I don't think I've watched an animated movie in, since you guys were kids. It was called The Cruise. And then after, the, actually while there, my buddy Willie, who I had worked with at the marquee, Uh, when I was in housekeeping. He's a great guy, we've remained friends, worked together during the 9-11 times. Actually, the day of, we were in the same meeting. So Willie texts me and says, hey, you should come by, because he owns a bar in Atlanta, and watch the Tyson fight. And I was like, perfect. I uh, hightailed it to Dunwoody or Dunwoody, that is like maybe 20 minutes outside of Atlanta where Willie's bar was called Gillies. Willie's own. Willie owns Gillies. From there, <laughs> going to see Willie obviously takes me back to the days of my, uh, when I was the director of housekeeping. I must say, I, I, had, I did it for about three years and it was definitely one of the high points uh, thus far of my career. And when I first took over, one of the big things was that the housekeeping department never had an off-property party. I guess just because of the sheer size. Probably like a good 400 people in the department. When I came into power, so to speak, I made my pitch to, at the time was my new boss. He was all about work hard, play hard. And so I got the green light and uh, along with the team, started to uh, plan the big night. Everything from tickets to lining up the venue, which was this place called Webster Hall. I think you guys know that. Nora, remember our our night that didn't uh, pan out with uh, you and your girls on, on your uh, 18th birthday? But we tried, right? Well, anyway, here I was. I guess this is ooh, probably <laughs> 20 years earlier. I work out a good deal. We get the night catered. We have the open bar. Every person gets a couple tickets. It was all coming together. So I'd say... Maybe like a the week before, I went to Webster Hall one night to check it out and, and get a feel for what it's like in action. And so when I got there, people dancing, the dance floors lit up, and there's sort of like this balcony. The vibe is super cool. And all I could do is picture my team here, and I, I knew it was going to blow their mind. While I'm on the balcony looking at this, the music started to soften and the crowd started to part and out comes this guy and what he proceeds to do is he climbs up this rope and starts doing like this this trapeze stuff and meanwhile the music's on cranking and people are dancing below him while he's doing his spinning above them after a while he comes down and people go back to doing their thing and I go home that night, and I start thinking, I had an idea. I reached out to Webster Hall the next day, and I was able to make contact with Tito. And Tito was the gymnast guy uh, that was doing the trapeze stuff. I set up a meeting with him. And so I went over to Webster Hall, and I met with Tito inside the club. As I stood there with him, which I had kind of thought, but had hoped more that I really wasn't much bigger than him, nor him, me, and so I told him my plan or what I had hoped to do and if he'd be willing to um, join me. He agreed. The night of the party, all my ladies and gentlemen were dressed to the nines. We had the DJ cranking music, the food and drinks, and it was a party. But you know what? Partying like adults. Very proud of the team. As night was going on, and... We were approaching, I guess, you know, everyone had sort of eaten. And I got the microphone from the DJ. They have like a big old stage. So I went out. (laughs) I went out on the stage. And I'm going to tell you, I was dressed in, I guess, I guess you can call them leotards. As well as I had one of those sort of comedy tragedy masks. I didn't have it over my eyes, but I had it on my forehead. They come out there and I'm, I'm looking at my team. And there's my new boss. And he's looking at me like, what is going on here? <laughs> and I spoke to the team. I told them how thankful that I, I was and the hotel was for the awesome year and the great cleanliness scores we are having. For all the right reasons, we're here celebrating tonight. And I said, also, you know what? Out of respect for everything you do, I thought... It would only be fair if I did something for you. So, ladies and gentlemen, I I can do one of three things. The first one, I could do a dance for you. Everyone's kind of screaming or whatever. I said, I can sing for you. Everyone's mumbling. I said, or I can do some trapeze. (laughs) Some trapeze work for you. And the crowd, you know, starts going crazy. So I said, All right, well, trapeze it is. And I put the microphone down, I put the mask over my eyes, and I run around the stage and I come around. And as I'm coming around the backside, uh, there's Tito dressed just like me, right down to the comedy tragedy mask. I high five him. He goes running out, and the rope gets lowered and he proceeds to climb up the rope and starts to do his thing, and he starts swinging left, right, up, down. He rolls himself like into the rope and then he kind of unravels himself to fall down to the ground and sort of stops right above everyone's heads. At this point, I'm on the balcony watching this from my little private perch, and I'm looking at the the expressions on some of my housekeepers as they look at this, thinking I am out of my mind and I am certainly gonna die. And again, music pumping, lights going off and then finally (laughs) the axe comes to a finish and he rolls down and out of the rope and then he comes running back around and high fives me. I come running back to the stage huffing and puffing get to the microphone, I lift up my mask. Everyone goes crazy. And I said, how was I, or whatever. And again, the crowd goes crazy. And I don't know, it, it couldn't have worked out any better. had a video of this someone had filmed it uh, off my ass and the following year before our appreciation week or what have you we loaded the the you know the, it was actually i guess a vcr tape into the thing to, to kind of hype people up as we approached and someone stole it someone stole the darn tape i wanted to put out a reward for it but my leadership wouldn't back me <laughs> It was definitely a, a, a night to remember, and for me, just a, just a lot of good fun. I can't say I made a good impression. I made a, definitely a memorable impression on my new boss, who would, like, go on to be all Marriott. <laughs> and so every once in a while over the years, I'll run into him and see him. And once in a while, he would be like, so you're you still wearing tights? <laughs> I uh, the things we do. I got there for you know a couple fights prior and got to see Nate Robinson embarrass himself. Jesus, most embarrassing fight I've ever seen in my life. And then the Tyson fight, it was great catching up with Willie. He was kind of working, helping out his team while he was catching up with me and, but it was so good catching up with him and reminiscing and all that good stuff and just seeing uh, his world. That next day it was rainy and cold, and I was a zombie, caught up on some things, and killed the day. That's when I actually decided to go back to see Sarah and Paul, which I told you about. But what I didn't tell you about is my two visits uh, between Nashville and I guess North Carolina. And that was uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. In Chattanooga, I found this place uh, on TripAdvisor, which again, if I had said before, something you should carry in your pocket because it has all the great things to do. And so I found this one place called Ruby Falls and this is an underground waterfall that you take an elevator down to and you walk through these caverns and it is as cool as it sounds and they add some light and of course your guide is your storyteller and it's it's actually a love story, and I'm trying to remember Ruby's husband's name—the guy who made this all happen—and it escapes me. But when he found it, showed it to her, and yeah, the whole story—I'll—I'll I'll let you Google it. But it was so cool to be there. If you're claustrophobic, it can definitely play with your head a bit. I, you know, at times like I can't believe I'm you know, this far below ground. But. As he tells you at the end, which I wish he would have told me in the beginning, is that back in 1970, they had, they're they doing their tours and three groups were down there and the elevator broke down and they waited, uh, oh geez, probably about, he said 18 hours, almost a day to be rescued out of there. And after that, the governing bodies of uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee mandated that they create an escape tunnel, which they did, uh, which is now in existence so if god forbid that you ever need to get out without the elevator you could walk out easy peasy that was a that was a special treat i really enjoyed that and then um went off to gatlinburg tennessee and this is uh it was like a very christmasy town you could be very tennessee they got their moonshine shops they got their beef jerky shops god bless and whoever I came in contact with was super nice. And at the end of the day, um, I enjoyed Gatlinburg. Definitely not a place I'd see myself living, but it was it was nice to visit. And there I was, um, time to uh, head off. And the reality is that the trip, the journey is, is almost over. And yeah, I guess that's the reality of things. In regard to uh, Gatlinburg, I also went up to see the, uh, the Smoky Mountains, which was it was all right. I mean, literally, it looks like there's smoky mountains i saw some buffalo on the way up otherwise uh part of it was closed so at the end of the day it wasn't the uh, greatest experience uh but it was cool to obviously uh check off another national park on my journey and then uh one other thing i forgot to mention was uh, with that ruby falls above that is called rock city and in rock city it's literally some mansions well, i guess was their backyard and the, the wife had created these sort of caverns and very cool. And then also as you look out, there's a big rock and it's called uh, Lover's Leap. I actually took a picture of it. And then um, kind of cool to walk around and see all the things. There's one point where you actually, they have a sign, you're looking out and it's just open Tennessee, if you will. But they have a sign where you're actually looking to your left to right at seven different states, uh, you can see from this vantage point. And obviously during, you know, civil war and these things, a very strategic place uh, that one could kind of get a lay of the land. After that, I kind of... Uh, it was time to make my way to. I was actually going to head to Charleston, and on the way, stop in Asheville, South Carolina. And so, headed out the next day. Uh, I will tell you, started to get a little achy and feeling like sort of run down from uh, from the journey. And you know, so, when I got to wherever it was, Asheville, I guess. I don't know, started getting a little concerned about my health. I went to go to some place, they took my temperature, and it was 100.09 or something like that. Either way, not good. So I had some uh, ibuprofen on me, I I took that uh, in hopes it would reduce my fever, and I just chilled in the hotel. Like, basically, if two days, did nothing. I, you know, like, I was feeling achy, but it was a kind of like a flu thing. And uh, the sort of the fever broke and still felt a little achy, but journeyed on uh, en route to Charleston. But really, I started thinking, gosh, you know, did I get it? Did I get the big C? But uh, you know what? I mean, I was sort of... F- fine after that. And just kind of like, where am I as far as uh, my health, but feeling okay. But nonetheless thinking my, my journey is, is officially over. So I, uh, I made my way back, uh, to New York and I got back to mom's house, grandma's house. I was, didn't really want to interact with her because I wanted to go get that, that rapid test thing. Anyway, woke up like seven in the morning, got over to this place and I literally waited outside for four hours to get this test done. And lo and behold, I tested positive. (laughs) So now Decided, uh, I'm just going to go to the city, get in a hotel room, quarantine for uh, the guy said up to ten days. And he also like the the doctor's like I based on my test results like I'm I'm at the sort of the tail end of my COVID experience, which is interesting, scary, and. I don't know all in the same breath and I you know overall I feel good I don't feel a hundred percent so I, I stepped out and took a walk near the river not interacting with anybody and I guess at this point I'm going to call it a journey and say that uh, I love you guys I just talked to you the other day and uh it was nice to give the car back to Nora good to see Aiden working and knowing that Devin and you all are uh, taking care of your, your finals which should be wrapping up shortly and then you get a nice little break uh, a well deserved break for everyone although as we see the COVID stuff starting to pick up here we realize we're not done with this freaking thing yet so alright well that's it for me what a long strange trip it's been it's over. music in this episode is courtesy of Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. A special thanks goes out to Real Love Diplomats for providing the soundtrack to Don't Call It a Memoir.